0: O God, as the choir has just sung, we cherish the time we spend in Your grace, the ones with the dream and we, sheltered and fed and loved in this place by Him who has made us free. This Thanksgiving season, Holy Father, that freedom, if we might all have it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. After our services last Sabbath, I slipped out to my car and noticed there was a note tucked under my wiper. The gist of the note was this. Thank you for your sermon on how to choose and marry the right life companion. Unfortunately, my husband and I will be in divorce court on Monday. I was unfaithful to him two years ago, and it seems we have never been able to get over it. Can a marriage survive an affair? Is it possible for a broken home? Is it possible for broken trust to be restored? How can you mend a broken heart? I had the opportunity to interview on camera this last spring the popular author and theologian, Lewis Smeads. We were shooting one of the programs for our new telecast, The Evidence, and we were dealing with this very subject. It is Smeeds who's made this observation. Take a look at these words. I believe they are profound. Smeeds writes, the most creative power given to the human spirit is the power to heal the wounds of a past It cannot change. That's good. Let me read it again. The most creative power given to the human spirit is the power to heal the wounds of a past. It cannot change. Would you like to have that power to heal the wounds you may be suffering with today? The power clearly is forgiveness. Once upon a time, Jesus wasn't even teaching about forgiveness when he taught a very great truth. About the subject. Matthew chapter 10 verse 8. You know the words well. Freely you have received. How's it go? Freely give. After all the ways you and I have messed up in this life. And God has still forgiven us. I ask you what is there that anyone could possibly do to me or to you that I that you could not forgive. Freely I have received. Freely I must give. Or rather freely I must Forgive. In your bulletin today is a prescription for mending a marriage broken by an extramarital affair. You put it especially in an especially difficult place so that you'd have to hunt to find it. But if you can find the pastor's page, you will note a little box. And in that box, a ten-point prescription... But I must tell you, I am particularly drawn to point number 10, which is the very point that has the power to heal the wounds of a past you and I cannot change, to quote Smeads. Now, where did these 10 points come from? They came from a gentleman, a noted marital and family counselor named J. Allen Peterson. He's written the book, The Myth of the Greener Grass. Now... Because not everybody in this congregation is from the United States, over 100 nations represented at this university, some of you may not be aware of a proverb we have here. And the proverb goes like this. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Now, I'm sitting down with my PowerPoint specialist, Kleber Gonzalez, who's from Brazil, yesterday. And I said, Cleber, in Portuguese, do you have anything quite like this? He says, yes. He says, in Portuguese, we say, the chicken is always fatter on the other side of the fence. <laughs> well, chicken or grass, what does it matter? The fact is, when it comes to marriage, the proverb is a myth. Because the grass is never any greener and the chicken is never any fatter when you have a spouse that does not belong to you. So how do you put a marriage back together? Is it even possible? Extramarital affair having severed the very life connection of those hearts. Shall they give up, these who now enter this valley? Can the marriage be saved? Ten point prescription. We're going to fly through the nine because it is the tenth point That is the power of healing. How to mend a broken heart? How to mend a broken marriage? Let's go. Point number one. And by the way, I need to say this. Those of you who are watching on television right now, you don't have our worship bulletin, obviously, today. But if you'll go to our website, pmchurch.org, Pioneer Memorial Church, pmchurch.org, we will have... All of the material in this series on that website and you can follow along at your leisure. Point number one, J. Allen Peterson, take time before you take action. The most important thing to do immediately is nothing. Resist explosive, reactive action. i tell you what, easy for me to say, but this is the time to talk real hard with God about what has just transpired in your marriage. Point number two, separate the facts from your opinions. My spouse loves another, therefore I must be ugly, I must be awful. Wrong, wrong, wrong. That is only an opinion. My partner has deceived me. I can never trust him again. I'll never trust her. Wrong, wrong. That's just an opinion. I've been hurt so deeply, I can never be forgiven and be healed. Wrong again. That's just an opinion. Separate the facts from your opinions. Point number three. Don't let the present destroy the past. You can still treasure the good times that you have had in that marriage. Nobody can take those away. They are not all now colored and ruined. Your intimacy, your love, your laughter, the joy of travel, that's still yours. Don't let the present destroy the past. Point number four, commit yourself to learn not to leave. Peterson notes, there are two questions always asked when an affair takes place. Shall I leave or shall my spouse leave? there're 12 there are a dozen other questions that tumble in on those two. Peterson saying, "Hey, hold hold, hold on. Don't leave yet." In fact, I want you to read Peterson's words here on the screen. "No friend of God or of marriage says an affair is a desirable thing, but an affair is a crisis that pinpoints a need, an indication a change is necessary. You have come to a change point. Infidelity is more often a symptom than a cause of marital fracture." It's like the oil light in your car. You know that little that, that we sometimes call the idiot light. Hey, listen. When that oil light, when that red light begins to flash, you have a problem that needs to be taken care of immediately. Don't race your engine. Don't drive five more miles. Stop now. Now, folks, just because the red light is flashing does not mean you bought a lemon when you bought this car. doesn't mean your car is now defective. It doesn't mean you have to call a wrecker in and you're going to take that car to the junkyard. I never want this car again. No, no, no. The red light means I've got trouble now. If I get the trouble fixed, this car will still drive 100,000 more miles. Peterson says that's the way it is with an affair. Don't you throw the marriage out just because the light is flashing. You need help. You need action now. You may learn from it rather than bail out and walk out on it. Commit yourself to learn, not to leave. Okay, point number five. Determine the facts before deciding the fate. I like that one. Let's go to Peterson again. Though adultery is involved in both a one-night stand and a long-term affair, the dynamics and results vary, and each must be handled in a different way. This is not to say that one is less a sinner than the other, nor is it meant to minimize the sin, but it means only that the responses are different. Determine the facts before deciding the fate. Now, here comes number six. Sixth prescription, ask for reasons, not Details and all oh, this is a tough one. Peterson is very upfront. In fact, he's going to call, let's put his words here. He's going to tell you this this may be the toughest assignment of all. To listen. To put yourself in your partner's shoes. To try to understand his feelings and why she believes the affair took place. Some of the things you hear will be hard to take. Of course it will. Bite your lip, wipe away the tears, and listen. Listen. No belittling. No moralizing, no sermons, no Bible verses. Peterson isn't suggesting that the wounded partner is just supposed to sit there and take it. Somehow suck it all in. No, 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 no. This would be a perfect time to let that partner of yours know how deeply wounded and hurt you have become. But, avoid belittling an already guilt-ridden partner. Point number seven. Increase your growth, not your guilt. Psychiatrist Marianne Bartusis. She is absolutely right. Look at her observation, isn't she? This ought to be obvious to all of us. It takes three corners to make a triangle, and one of those corners inevitably is yours. None of us is perfect. We all make mistakes. Refusal to own our own corner... In a triangle, dooms a marriage at any stage of its journey. Point number eight. There are the only ten of these. Point number eight. Allow each partner to own his or her own actions. Look, if two people make up a marriage, if the marriage fails, you both are going to have to be a part of, this, uh, of the recovery. The responsibility is not alike, but they are alike responsible. See? We must own our part in the marriage. Number nine, share with a confidant or counselor. You know that medical authorities suggest that 80% of our ills and our ails can actually be self-corrected. I was amazed when Peterson makes this point, but I think there's wisdom to it. He suggests that a couple should go as far as they can in resolving the crisis unassisted by professionals. Try to keep it right there. The healing can be Out of the midst of your relationship. Now, of course, you need somebody to talk to. Be very careful. Don't tell the whole world. Pick someone carefully if you need a confidant. Peterson goes on, Anyone suffering the excruciating pain and loss from an affair also needs a friend, a confidant. One who will listen but not talk. Zip the lip if you're the one that's being come to. One who will support but not sympathize. One who will give acceptance but not advice. Just listen. Listen to your friend. ladies and gentlemen, it's the tenth. It's the tenth one that offers the deepest healing and the strongest mending for a broken heart and a broken marriage. What is this point number ten? You've got it there in your little box. Seek your forgiveness. Then speak your forgiveness. You want to know, look at it. You want to know the great Thanksgiving truth about forgiveness in a marriage? I want to end with this. This is the greatest truth for Thanksgiving marriages. Forgiveness is indeed possible. It is possible. Adultery is not so much the grounds for divorce as it is the grounds for forgiveness. The Bible doesn't say we catalog sins. Now, these are the tough ones to forgive and these are the easy ones to forgive. No, 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 no. The Bible says any sin you bring to God, God will forgive. And by the way, any friend of God will do the same. All right. forgiveness is indeed possible. Number two, forgiveness is in fact necessary. I love this. He really has thought through the whole issue of forgiveness. And he puts it this way. When we forgive, we set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner we set free is us. Ladies and gentlemen, if I hold on to my own woundedness, if I hold on to my bitterness and my grief and my pain, I'm telling you, I am not punishing you. There's only one person in the universe I'm punishing, and that is me. I punish myself. Let it go. Forgiveness, in fact, is necessary. Freely you have received... How's it go? Freely give. Forgiveness is in reality, let's let's be honest, it's tough. Because when you've been hurt that deeply and you long for revenge, it is not easy to let go. And by the way, when in your own mind you are not sure that God is by nature a forgiver, when you think that God you struggle to believe He He can be quick to forgive you, you will transfer that very uncertainty in your own relationships and you yourself will hold back. You need to know. God is a forgiver by nature. Of course it's tough. Calvary was tough. Freely you have received, freely give. How's it go? How do we have? What do we have here? Forgiveness is possible. Forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is tough, which is why, ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness is also a choice. God can't make that choice for you. I can't make it. Nobody but you can make it. Forgiveness is not an emotion. You'll never feel like forgiving. It is a choice to release the one who has wounded you, to release her, to release him to the care and love of God. I mean, you might have to stand in the middle of your room, nobody there, stand in the middle of that floor and say out loud, I forgive her, I forgive her, I forgive her, I forgive him, I forgive him. You won't feel it, but it could be that feelings eventually will follow the choice of the will to forgive Forgiveness, by the way, just get this down straight. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Don't believe it if somebody tells you you're supposed to forget. Wrong. As Smeads puts it, a healed memory is not a deleted one. Of course you're going to remember. How could you possibly forget what has just happened? But as Smedes goes on, forgiving what we cannot forget creates a new way to remember. We change the memory of our past into hope for our future. Freely you have received, freely give. And finally, in the end, forgiveness is offered. Ladies and gentlemen, if the prayer of Jesus from that center cross means anything at all, and if He really did pray for the likes of you and me, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. If that's true, then that means He has given to me a forgiveness that is full and free and forever. And if I accept that forgiveness from Him... I will become like him. And what he's given to me, I must now give to you. Freely I have received, I will freely give. I will forgive you. Freely I have received from God, freely I must give to you. Does it really work? Can the pieces be put back together? I want to end with a story, a poignant story. That, in fact, indicates it can happen even right here. The letter was written to Dear Abby. You, you remember Abigail Van Buren? In fact, she's the sister of Van Landers. The t- two sisters, social columnists. The woman wrote in to Dear Abby. I want to close with her letter. Poignant. Dear Abby, I was 20 and he was 26. We've been married two years and I hadn't dreamed he could be unfaithful. The awful truth was brought home to me when a young widow from a neighboring farm came to me to tell me she was carrying my husband's child. My world collapsed. I wanted to die. I fought an urge to kill her and him. I knew that wasn't the answer. I prayed for strength and guidance and it came. I knew I had to forgive this man and I did. I forgave her too. I calmly told my husband what I had learned. And the three of us worked out a solution together. What a frightened little creature she was. The baby was born in my home. Everyone thought I had given birth and that my neighbor was helping me. Actually, it was the other way around. But the widow was spared humiliation. She had three other children. And the little boy was raised as my own. He never knew the truth. I have never mentioned this incident to my husband. It has been a closed chapter in our lives for 50 years. But I have read the love and gratitude in his eyes a thousand times. Freely you have received, freely give. Let's pray. Oh, Christ, those outstretched arms on Calvary, there is no question in our minds, you have given everything in your forgiveness. We have received of that forgiveness over and over again. Holy Christ, for every husband here, for every wife, for every human being, please, please, Even as we have freely received, may we today and every day henceforth freely give through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Master. Amen.